0: Wait a minute, let me get my notes. Thanks to Instagram reels, I think I might have a problem with ADD. So I have a lot of notes to keep me on track. I told Pastor, I said, I don't want to make any dumb jokes tonight. It's not about jokes. I got a lot to talk about. So we're going to go ahead and get into this. So Pastor asked me to preach like two weeks ago. And I immediately knew exactly what I wanted to talk about. And then he has the guts to get up on Wednesday and preach about David. I'm like, hey, David's my topic, okay? So I don't know who's in here tonight that heard the message on Sunday, but you're going to get a double portion, and the Lord is talking to you. So if you felt the need to respond to the altar call and you didn't, take two. Um, so I am really just here to talk to you guys about what God's been revealing to me. I'd like to think that I'm some super cool change your life preacher but alas here I am so we're just going to talk about the word how's that sound cool so I wrote my prayer down because I'm ADD and I didn't want to forget anything so let's pray before we go any further you good with that all right let's bow our heads in reverence thank you Lord for allowing me to speak your word to your people help me to speak to your bride in a way that honors you Jesus use me as you see fit Lord. I lay aside any preconceived notions and I make room for your Holy Spirit to move and work among us. Help us to lay down the thoughts that easily distract us and the imaginations that try to exalt themselves before you. Holy God we ask that you give us eyes to see you in this moment and ears to hear your word. Don't allow us to leave out of this place unchanged. Thank you for your mercy and grace to stand before your people. And allow me to deliver this word with clarity and without nerves. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. We are going to take our text tonight out of First Chronicles chapter 14. How many of you have ever heard of David? King David, maybe a little. He's only the topic of every sermon ever at some point. So we're going to go to First Chronicles chapter 14. I heard a preacher say one time, "If you have it, stand, and if you don't fake it, I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I think it's cool when they reverence God's word that way. All right, so First Chronicles chapter 14, verse eight. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all of Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. That's a comma but I want to stop there for a minute. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. How many of you know that success brings new challenges? Every bad habit you beat, every step towards spiritual maturity that you take, every commitment that you to honor God that you say, this is what I'm going to do, you are immediately met with resistance. Has anybody else experienced that? God was working mightily in David's life at this moment. So David has just been crowned king of Israel. David was anointed to be king when he was a child. I'm going to say anywhere from like, I don't know, 8 to 15, somewhere in there. And now he's 30. You're talking 15 years of David waiting on this promise. And God has moved mountains. He's moved Saul out of the way. He set up David's kingdom. David was respected by the people and loved. He was a good king. And he finally gets to sit down on his throne. And these dirtbags Philistines, here they come. Has anybody got that in your life? Like, man, I'm going to get up and I'm going to eat right today. And then they have donuts at work. I'm like, ha! Every step towards spiritual maturity you take, there's always opposition. Immediately. But fulfilled promises don't mean that the work stops. I'm studying anesthesia right now and and our professor's pretty, he knows a lot of things. He's a very smart man. I'm very grateful to be learning from in case he hears this on Facebook or whatever. He said the other day, he said the first time, anesthesia, for those of you that don't know, is the people that put you to sleep before surgery. So they put you to sleep, they put ju- the tube in, they put you on the ventilator. And um, by the grace of God, that's what I'm going to do. That's okay, you can laugh. It's, it's funny to me too. But um, so he said the other day in class, he said the first time that you successfully put a patient to sleep and put the tube in and get them on the machine You're going to stand there and freeze. I'm like, no, watch me. And he was like, you are going to expect balloons. You're going to expect everyone to stop and pat you on the back. And unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. And somebody's going to hit you on the shoulder and say, you better keep going or they're going to wake back up. And I thought of that in this moment because I thought all David wanted to do was sit on his throne and eat bonbons. And here come the stinking Philistines to ruin his day. So let's move on. The the end of verse 8, but David heard about it and went out to meet them. He didn't wait to be surrounded, to be overstimulated. He didn't wait to be overwhelmed. He didn't wait to be backed into a corner. He saw them coming, and he prepared. If I was with my teenagers, I would say, can you tell me how he prepared? And they would say, and I would continue to teach. David was a king. pastor spoke today about how David beat Goliath when he was a kid. David wasn't fighting with stones anymore. He was fighting with the armor of God. Let me tell you about the armor of God. He was fighting with the belt of truth buckled around his waist. Let me tell you what the belt of truth says. If my God is for me, who can be against me? It says no weapon formed against me will prosper. The belt of truth says though I walk through the valley of the shadows of death, I will not fear evil because he is with me. It says he that began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. He had on the breastplate of righteousness. He was in right standing with his heart postured toward God. He had feet with the he had feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Let me say that again. His feet were fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Can we just let that sink in a minute? When you get into your word, that's when you get peace. People around you may be acting crazy. Your kids may be being wild. And you get in your word, and that's when peace comes. Feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He had his helmet of salvation on. The helmet that says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus... Because through Jesus on the cross, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. He protected himself and his kingdom with the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 9. Now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of God. So David inquired of God. Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? The Lord answered him, go, I will deliver them into your hand. David humbled himself before the Lord, and he inquired of God, is this something I should be doing? He understood that if he went to war, that not only would he put himself in danger, but he would put the lives of his men in danger too. When you make decisions in your life, they don't just affect you, right? Right? They don't just affect you. They affect everybody around you. And then when you make that decision to eat the salad for lunch and the person you sit by works all mad because you had salad, they affect the people around you. David knew that. He understood the responsibility that he had on his shoulders. And he inquired of the Lord. Let me not get ahead of myself here. So David and his men went up to Baal-perazim, and there he defeated them. And he said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. He wasn't even, he wasn't even arrogant. He was like, yo, bro, God did this. So that place was called Baal-perazim. The Philistines had abandoned their gods there, and David gave orders to burn them all. He got victory because of the Lord and all the idols had to come down. All the idols, every imagination, everything that exalted itself above God had to come down. I'm going to stop there because I don't, I don't want to get lost. So David was a man of war. I've said it before. He shed so much blood in his lifetime that God would not allow him to build his temple. Like he was a stone cold killer. He took concubines. For those of you that aren't sure, that is bad. That is against the law of God to take concubines. And he had a ton of them. Most famously, he slept with Bathsheba and then murdered her husband. Can we talk about it? And he wasn't really a great dad. Like his kids were being mean to each other and killing each other, and he didn't, couldn't really do anything about it. But he always inquired of the Lord. Always, every time. So I'm going to take you really quickly to First Samuel chapter 30. Thank God for Kruger coupons and bookmarks. So I got to give you a little bit of backstory. So leading up to chapter 30, David is on the run from Saul. He's hiding out in caves and stuff. He's put together a band of about 600 men that travel with him and do life with him every day. And they're traveling around, hiding out, and they decide they're going to settle in Philistine territory. So after a while, the Philistines decide they're going to rise up against King Saul. And David decides, I don't really know why he decided this, but he thought he was going to fight with them. So they're all marching out to battle, and David just marches with them. And then they find out that David, I mean, this is David. This is David that killed Goliath that was part of the Philistine army. They know him. So then they look back and they're like, whoa, (laughs) what's he doing pulling up the rear? And the king of the Philistines is like, we don't want him on our side because we'll get over there and he'll turn on us because he's a Jew. He's one of them. So they say, you can't fight with us. And David and his men put up a fight. Again, I'm not really sure why. And long story short, they have to go home. So it took about, I think, three days for them to go with the Philistine army and then have to turn back. In this time, the Amalekites came and took all their stuff burned everything to the ground, took their wives and children, took everything they had. So what I'm about to read to you is, as David and his men come up on this burnt down, I'm talking about like on Mulan, when they come up on where the Huns have burnt the village down, and they find the doll, (laughs) like it is, everything's gone, right? Are you with me? Okay. So David and his men reached Ziklag, and they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So this is so good. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. They must have actually liked their kids. (laughs) Because I'd be sad for them. I'd be like, glory to my God. No, I'm kidding. So David's two wives had been captured. And David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Let me read that again for the people in the back. David found strength in the Lord his God. Let's talk about the difference between lordship versus savior. We're going to talk about the lordship versus savior effect. Now, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that if you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord and that he died on the cross for your sin, that you'll be saved. But that's where a lot of people in our culture stop. And I'm here to propose to you that maybe it's a little deeper than that. And maybe by saying Jesus is my Savior, we have taken away from what he's actually done for us on the cross. God was the Lord of David's life. Every single battle that David fought, he inquired of the Lord. I remember hearing this story one time about this older lady that went to a furniture store and was going to buy a couch, and she prayed, Lord, help me to find the couch that looks the best in my living room. Now listen, that might sound crazy to some of y'all, but if you know me at all, you know I'm a little cracked. And I'm going to tell you that there are tons of people that take that, that stuff way too far, but because there are some people that take it way too far, does that mean that we all throw the baby out with the bathwater? What if we would be the people that woke up every day and said Lord put me in a place today where I can impact somebody's life for you what if we were the people that said Lord this is a day that the Lord has made and I'm not going to be bitter I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it what if we were the people that went to the car lot and said Lord help me to find a car What if we were the people that laid our hands on our cars and said, I pay my tithe, Lord, and you said that I could taste and see that you were good? What if we moved from Jesus being the Savior to Jesus being the Lord of our lives? (laughs) Woo! So in verse chapter 7, David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. Woo! Bring me the ephod. Back then, they didn't have church. And David was a rebel without a cause, really. He didn't, he didn't get the opportunity to go to the temple. So when he said, bring me the ephod, he said, back up, because we're about to get into the presence of the Lord. And Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? And the Lord answered, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in your rescue. David said, bring me the ephod. He said, God delivered that lion, and God delivered that bear. And he looked around, and his his friend Johnny's house was burned down, and he said, that giant came at me with a shield and a sword, but I went to him with the spirit of the Lord. He looked over here and picked up the Mulan doll, and then he said he remembered when he wrongly counted the kingdom, and God told him not to, and God was merciful to him, even though he didn't listen. He remembered when he endured the death of his child because there was sin between him and Bathsheba, and the consequences of that was the life of that child. Ooh, they don't don't preach that, do they? Ooh, that's what your Bible says. He remembered when God told him he wasn't allowed to build the temple because he was a man of war, but he remembered that God was gracious enough to say, because you've thought of me, I will allow your son to build my temple. And he created even more of a dynasty with Solomon than, than with David. He said, give me the ephod. <coughs> the shepherd boy that developed a life with God and allowed God to lead him. He said, give me the ephod. His family was gone. They didn't, I mean, at this point, they probably didn't even know if they were dead or alive. I mean, honestly. His family's gone. All of these people behind him are getting ready to kill him. But he knew the God that he served. <coughs> he said, give me the ephod, the Result of that story is they had complete victory. They whooped the pants off them Amaleks, Amalekites. Sorry. Oh, I forgot one of the most important details. So the Amalekites were the first people when the Israelites came out of Egypt. The Amalekites were the first people to attack, and because of that, God promised vengeance on the whole the whole clan. And then later on, when Saul became king, God commanded Saul to go to war with the Amalekites and kill every one of them. Don't even leave nothing. Kill them all. And instead of following and obeying what God told him to do, Saul took some of the goods for himself and allowed the king to live. Samuel, the prophet at the time, was so aggravated that Saul didn't listen to God that now Samuel had to kill the king himself. And they were supposed to have eradicated these people because that was what God said he was going to do. But before Samuel could kill the king, he sired a child one kid boom the whole population back and now they're harassing David so anyway David beats the pants off of him gets all their stuff back now fast forward back to the Philistines he's king he's beaten him once he's about to beat him again maybe we ain't got there yet right Well, let me go back to where I was. Are you guys having fun? I'm having so much fun. They just put me up here on this praise team. And they're like, don't say it. No, I'm just kidding. They don't say this, but this is how I feel. Don't say anything. Don't get out of line. Don't make a fool of yourself. I'm like, I'm just overflowing up here, man. This is great. <coughs> All right. Once more, the Philistines raided the valley. So David inquired of the Lord again. And God answered him. But this time, God had different battle plans. The first time, they just went at him. Go get them, boys. Take them down. And they were successful because the Lord blessed them. But this time, the Lord had different battle plans. When you don't have the lordship of God in your life, you continue to do things the same old way because you don't inquire of the Lord to get a different plan. You take one step forward and two steps back. Can anybody relate? You can't overcome. You stumble around the same stronghold because you barely even know it's there because of why? Because we don't have the Lord in His rightful spot in our lives. Has He saved us? Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for the work He did on the cross. And that's where it stops. All right. We can't be sanctified because we don't have the Lord leading us. Our culture would tell us we don't need the Lord. Treat yourself. Fight the same battle the same way. Continue the same generational curse. I think it's time to inquire of the Lord, don't you? To make him the Lord of our lives. The same way I don't think it's going to work anymore. We need a new battle plan. So God told David, as soon as you hear, this is my favorite. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move out to battle. Because that will mean that God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. The K, the K, who's KJV? Who, who, who? King James Version, anybody? King James Version, God told, told David, He said, As soon as you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the trees, stir yourself and go out to battle. Stir yourself. Remember the story in the New Testament where that guy that was lame laid by the pool, and they came along ready to heal him, and he was like, God, but nobody, stir, when the water is stirred, nobody puts me in. Stir yourself. That's Woo! Stir yourself. Don't come in here in a bad attitude and expect somebody else to hype you up. Come on, somebody. I know. Woo! Woo! You guys are the Wednesday night crowd. You choose to be here, and I am not coming at you. But what I'm saying is that you need to decide for yourself where you are in your life and stop waiting on somebody else to put you in the pool. For you, for you, making God, making Jesus the Lord of your life might be deciding that I am going to put self-denial back where it needs to be in my life. We live in a self-indulgent culture. You need a Diet Coke? Go get you one, baby. But what if, what if we went back to, we need to be praying and fasting. We need to fast and push away our plates. That's hard. That's making Jesus the Lord of our life. We need to accept boldness into our lives to speak to the people that we work with and say, you don't have to live that way. Come on, somebody. That's boldness. That's boldness. When the kid I drive to work with, his car breaks down and I lay my hands on it in the parking lot and I say, Lord Jesus, that's boldness. We're not talking about Jesus just walked up into heaven and the disciples are on a rampage. This is 2,000 years later, honey. And he's planning on coming back. But I'm telling you right now, the same power and the same authority that he left for us when he left is still here. And it is our job, every single one of us, to put him as Lord of our life. For you, that may mean start inviting people into your home and discipling them. People that will never walk into the door of a church. Invite them over for dinner. Ask them if they would read the Bible with you. For some of you, that means waking your kids up out of bed on Sunday morning and saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you bring them to church every time the doors are open because I hate to tell you it's only twice a week. And that might sound strong, but I told my sister, my sister's struggling and I love her dearly and I hope she hears this because this conversation really impacted my life. She said, she said, you're just perfect. And if, if I'm not like you, then you think that I'm wrong and I'm going to hell. And I said, I am so sick and so tired of the church not knowing what the word says. The church doesn't know what's right and wrong. I am beyond, is drinking alcohol okay? I am beyond, is tattoos okay? which we're not getting into right now. I'm beyond all of that. What I'm saying is I need an outpouring, a move, an old school move. I'm not here to play games. I'm not here because it helps me feel better. I'm here because Jesus is the Lord of my life, and I will sacrifice it all. Just like that song said, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like. Maybe for some of you it looks like fasting once a week. It's okay. You can be quiet. I don't like that one either. I don't like that one either. <coughs> Woo. By taking out lordship, we have minimized the cross. Jesus. I have five pages of notes, and the Lord dropped that one on me in the last five minutes. We. Ha- he was wounded for our sin. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement. That brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Do you understand that? I struggle too. I mean, that was grace. 400 years of the law just to say that people could never do it on their own. Just so Jesus could come and give us grace. By his stripes we are healed. What does that look like? What does that look like? For some people that may be a miraculous touch. And we believe that. We believe that. For some people, that might look like asking, Lord, what should I be cutting out in my life that's not helping me live? I mean, come on, can we talk about it? Because these are the conversations that I hear going on around me. I have a friend, I have a friend who decided, and I'm not being a harbinger for any of this, I'm just using it as an example. She decided that for her family, she was gonna stick to as much organic things as she could eat because she felt like there was a lot of things in the food. And she said, I, I want to experience God. I want to experience the fullness. <laughs> oh, God, help me to say this the way that I feel it. God is calling his people to battle. Battle. That, this is where we're at. I mean, come on. We got, we got people that think all kinds of garbage is okay. And we're trying, is anybody else trying to raise godly children? Is anybody else looking around saying, where is the kingdom? Where is the kingdom? Let me tell you, wherever you go, that's the kingdom. Because he is in you. So it's our job, again, to make him the Lord of our life. Woo, we got to get past all this silliness, man. We got to be disciple makers. We got to live holy and sanctified. You want to talk about what sanctified means? Sanctified is the difference between the, the plastic dishes in the cupboard that I use every single day and the dishes in the china cabinet that get used for very special purposes. If you want to see a genuine move of God in your life, you're going to have to be separate, be different, be holy, be set apart. What does that look like for you? He's calling us to forgiveness, to break curses. I hear, I hear people saying that, break generational curses. I'm like, that's hilarious. They don't even believe in God. How do they think they're going to do that? Jesus won the battle. He finished it. He said, it is finished. He gave us all power and all authority. Now we must choose. Oh, man. Bible says straight is the gate and, g- and narrow is the way said, few that find it. I don't know about y'all, but that makes me a little nervous. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, and very few people find it. Jesus. I am full-blooded Pentecostal. I'm third generation. I'm going to tell you right now, a year ago, I would have been too ashamed to say it. But praise the Lord for the work he's done in my life. And um, I'm not going back. And I told Matt, I said, you know, we're, oh, God, help me. We're looking at getting rid of Netflix and Hulu. And this might sound so stupid to you people, and I'm sorry, but this is where we're going with this tonight. And I remember growing up in a Christian home and thinking, those people don't have TV, they're weirdos. I mean, come on, somebody. It was the 90s. Come on. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm looking at my child, and, and every single TV show he wants to watch has magic in it. What if we went real old school and says that the Bible said that if you have any part in the occult, you'll be cursed? I mean, come on, people. This stuff is so much deeper than what we're living right now. It's so much deeper than that. David and Bathsheba had an affair and the the consequences of that sin was that baby's life. This is so much bigger. So much bigger. So Matt said, okay, I'll tell you what. He said, because he don't watch it. He watches YouTube, the Acadian Empire and stuff. I'm like, who are those people? Why should I care? And he said, okay. He said, if they raise the prices again, we're going to get rid of it. So today he tells me they're raising the price in October. <laughs> Oh, am I going to watch the Golden Girls? You know what I said? You too. <laughs> Get out the Acadians. Does anyone else feel that? I mean, let's pretend like I'm not up here preaching on my own for a minute. Does anyone else feel like you're being called to s- be set apart? to To live a different lifestyle? To be different than culture? Yes. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm going to pray for you. You can come play if you want. Oh, by the way, the Lord was totally putting you out of your comfort zone so that I wasn't the only one. Praise the Lord. How many of you are grateful for Noah? Yes. Okay, that's enough. This is my time to shine. All right, let's pray. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus, for your work on the cross. Not only did you save us from our sin, you gave us access to your, your power. And Lord, I pray that something that I've said tonight affects somebody because, Lord, you said your word wouldn't return void, that it would do what it was set out to do. Lord, make yourself the Lord of our life. When we don't have the strength to give you our lives, take it from us. This is what I want to do. If you were here on Sunday, let me tell you something about the altar. It's a place to humble yourself and to come before the Lord. There's a story in Kings where the Bible says that the guy ran in And he grabbed the horns of the altar. And it's a place of refuge and asylum. So if you feel that the Holy Spirit has spoke to you on Sunday over the last year when we've been talking about All In. If there's been an opportunity where you felt like you needed to come and you didn't. I want to give you that time now. We are running out of time. And it's time that we experience God for what he is. It's time that we learn his word. And that we allow him to have authority in our lives. So if you want the opportunity to come to the to the altar, by all means. If you want me to pray for you, I will do my best. But let's just sing one song. Let's just take a moment. It doesn't have to be hair raising. We don't have to be running around and, and having flags. And that stuff's great. I love it. But sometimes God works as as much in the quiet moments. So let's just take a moment to reflect on what we've heard tonight. We're going to sing one more song. And if you feel so led, maybe you should make a commitment to the Lord. Maybe you should take a moment. If you haven't talked to him in a while, maybe you should say hello.
1: Go ahead. I just want to move your heart.
0: It's all I want to do let's stand together and sing that song in all and pour my love on you no matter how much it cost
1: I freely give it all to you to you I just want to just wanna stay free Tell me what move I just you. wanna move I just wanna move your heart It's all I wanna do I just wanna stay
0: You have had fun tonight. Woo! Praise the Lord. I've had a great time yelling at all of you. I'm going to pray blessings over you. We're going to dismiss. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you on Sunday. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the revelation of your word. Lord, I just pray that you allow us to spur one another along in love and unity. Help us to become spiritually mature together as your group of people is your bride.